On this week's episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, we cover everything that happened over the 2023 midseason trade deadline. Which teams made moves that moved the needle for their playoffs or World Series odds? And did your team make the right moves at the deadline? Find out our thoughts coming up right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 106. Alex and Eric coming to you. It is Thursday, August 3rd. AJ, trade deadline is officially up. We saw a handful of moves. We saw some teams get better. We saw some teams get worse. Um, we'll kick it off first, AJ. What is the, uh, what's the first topic you want to cover? Uh, I know it's going to be a jam-packed, kind of wild, hopefully under about an hour and a half episode we can get everything in. But uh, what should we start first with this uh, this big trade deadline news? Yeah, there's a few spots we can start with, Travis. Uh, we want to make sure that when we go through you know these deals that have happened, we are kind of cutting straight to the chase. We don't want to um, add so much fluff because, Travis, so much happened. We don't want to leave any important tidbits out. Um, I say we start with uh, some of the AL West action. Astros acquired t- uh, some players. Texas acquired some players. The Angels acquired some players. Seattle sold a couple players. We'll get to all of it um, in a moment here. But I say we start with Astros from the top. They went out and got Justin Verlander uh, from the Mets. They also got uh, Kendall Graveman to kind of bolster the bullpen. They had him um, in, I think that was 2021, Graveman. Uh, I believe they traded for him at the 2021 trade deadline (laughs) from Seattle. Then uh, after that postseason run, uh, I believe Graveman went to the White Sox. And then now he's going to be reuniting uh, in Houston with his old club. But Travis, Verlander to the Astros. It's a pretty substantial move. We've all kind of known the Astros are a team with really big aspirations. They think they can win the World Series. No reason why they shouldn't have that kind of belief. Their pitching has gone through injuries this year. Framber has been kind of the steady guy and Christian Javier has been pretty solid too. But beyond that, you know, Luis Garcia injury. Um, I think Arquiti's missed a lot of time. Just a lot of guys overall, not that consistent. Hunter Brown's been a pretty good, um, you know, young piece for them, but not the level of starting pitch depth and dominance of um, earlier in this Astros run. So getting Verlander back, how much does that move you on terms of how legit the Astros are? Um, and then after you give me those thoughts, we'll kind of talk about what the Mets got in return. Yeah, I mean, from the start, I think the Astros, no matter what, even if they did or did not get Verlander, they're still going to be a dangerous team in October. Right now, if I'm not mistaken, they are um, half a game back of the Rangers right now. I don't know what's going to happen after today. They could be tied. They could be, of course, one game back um, after today, uh, today's play is up, but they are a team that is getting hot at the right time. They're definitely trending in the right direction. Verlander just gives them that extra boost. I mean, right now we knew Framber was going to be their ace adding Verlander. You could either go Verlander, Framber or Framber Verlander, whichever way you want to go. But that is a two headed monster that of course will be a very, um, 
a very nice option for Dusty Baker to go with in the playoffs. Um, we saw it last year, Alex. Both of those guys uh, pitched amazing in the World Series, or at least Verlander did have. I think it was his final start. He had a very nice game. And then Framber, of course, was just outstanding the the whole entire postseason. And Siri is... Uh, Siri had something to say, but Siri we can ignore her for now. Trying to chime in as well. But yeah, I mean, the, the Astros are getting healthy. Um, they're getting Jordan and, and Altuve back, which those are kind of the two guys that make that team go, or at least make you that offense go. Uh, a great year we're getting from... Um, shoot, now the name escapes me. The center fielder. Um, McCormick? McCormick, yes. A uh, good year for McCormick, I think, so far. He's been a, a very underrated player um, and then, of course, as well, we're getting uh, a, a young catcher. Uh, last name is Diaz. He's been doing very nice behind home plate, at least when he starts and Maldonado rests. Um, they're getting very productive offense from him. But all around, Alex, I mean, I, I the, the team just does not quit. The team does not stop. I think a couple months back, we, we were looking at an Astros team that was flirting with third place. They were second place, I think, but not not in a comfortable position. And right now they are looking like they should be taking over the division by middle of August. And then, you know, probably looking to see, looking to see to run away with this thing. I don't anticipate the Rangers to keep the first place um, spot in the American League West. But the rain, but of course, the Astros, they're just a consistently good team. I think right now Caesars has them a top three for the World Series um, in terms of odds. And I mean, why not? I feel like every single year when you want to go make a bet, go make a bet to have the Astros win the American League because I guarantee they're going to be in the division series. And if they're not, in, I mean, if if they make it that far, I, I'm pretty certain they're going to be in the league championship series. So they're always going to give you a strong chance. And they just always have a, a, um, a winning mentality and a winning culture in that organization. So, I mean, I will say Verlander is a very nice move. I think it definitely makes the Astros a, uh, a favorite or if not a top two uh, team in the American League to uh, to win the pennant this year so far. I mean, just on paper, it's uh, it's a very nice ball club, I would say. Yeah, um, I agree with everything you said. I want to go ahead and take a look at the opposite side of the trade and what the Mets are getting in return. Um, so in, you know, there's been a lot of kind of discussion about how will the Mets approach the deadline. Um, obviously, now that the deadline's passed, we can kind of say confidently they sold probably more than most people expected them to. Um, we'll get to Scherzer and the return there in a minute. But, you know, they, they're sending guys away to all sorts of teams and just pretty much asking for prospects in return. Not even really asking for, um, not really focusing on guys who are going to be necessarily ready at, at the end of this year or next year. They're pretty much asking for the top prospects in other systems, not really caring about, oh, this guy won't be ready till 2025. They're not pushing it, it seems like. Um, more on that to come later in the episode. But um, in terms of their return, Travis, it was Drew Gilbert, uh, outfielder um, from the Astros system. I believe he was their number one overall prospect. Another outfielder, Ryan Clifford, who I think was the Astros' number four prospect. Um, a couple guys who have obviously produced uh, good offense in the minors. Travis, it's just kind of a... It's not a move I think anyone expected from the Mets to really push the window down the road the way they're doing it. They're kind of not uh, focusing on... You know, they could still very easily prove me wrong and have a huge offseason spending and bring in maybe they sign Otani and, and you know, whoever else think Aaron Nola would be a free agent. Maybe they just totally retool and, and get ready to go for another run. But it seems like they're really kind of focusing on building a good farm, uh, building a future for their team. 
uh, repeatable success as opposed to trying to outspend everyone every single offseason, which, you know, not super sustainable. Um, but yeah, obviously, Travis, we don't have great uh, in-depth insight on those prospects. But from everything I've heard, these guys are like legitimate pieces that um, the Mets are doing good to get um, solid prospects back. And one issue I think the Mets were facing the guys they're trading away, especially in the case of Scherzer and Verlander, they are sending away pitchers who are older and are owed a lot of money with like player options and things like that. So obviously they're sending away productive arms, but the amount of money that they're owed probably diminished that contract value. So the Mets are also sending lots of money in the Verlander and in the Scherzer deal. That way they can make sure they get a better prospect return because, Travis, it's kind of like if the Angels traded Trout right now, it's like, yeah, they could get a, probably a, a decent return, but the problem is that, like, everyone knows this guy's going to be making, you know, $40 million a year when he's, like, 39, 40, 41. Yep. That might turn some uh, people away if they're trading for a player, no matter how good the player is um, when you see that aging curve. So for the Angels, if the Angels ever were to do something like that, they would want to probably send some uh, cash away as well in order to get better prospects in return. So and, and, and I will say that's what a lot I think of fans on Twitter, or even Angel fans, is that when they or even when general <laughs> a lot of general baseball fans say, you know, you need you need to trade away Trout. You need to find a team first off that can afford Trout. I mean, I know there's a lot of teams that still can't afford Trout, but he's getting older. He's still getting paid what? north of 35 million dollars a season so like what you mentioned you said it perfectly you're gonna have to give away money in order to get a decent haul of prospects back um, and that's something that i feel like most teams don't want to do um, especially on such a long term that trout's on because you might as well keep the guy and and you know finish off that hall of fame legendary career um, in an angel's uniform uh, no matter how the team's doing, in my opinion, because I, I just don't think that's a, a feasible option. But continue, yeah. Yeah, and just uh, looking back at you know the return the Mets were able to get um, for Verlander, I have some stats on Ryan Clifford here. He's currently in high A ball, I believe. He finished 2022 in uh, A ball, um, was doing well, um, was an above average hitter. Um, at the time, and then just to start this season, he started with 25 games in A-ball before getting promoted. Um, in those 25 games, he walked 20% of the time, which is like a Juan Soto number. Um, not saying he's Juan Soto, of course, just showing how dominant he was at that level. He had a 337 average, 488 on base, 457 slugging percentage, um, a real elite slash line, uh, two homers in those 25 games. So, uh that was good enough to promote him up to a uh, high a ball. Um, and so far in 58 games there, he's been a well, above, well above average hitter again. Um, so he's, you know, an outfield prospect showing lots of promise. He's only 19 as well in high a ball. So there's, he's a the kind of guy who you're not expecting to help the Mets next year. Right. Maybe yeah. not even the year after, like, yeah. I'm not sure what his estimated yeah. time of arrival is, but we're talking about a guy who, you know, we're focusing on building up a, deep and talented farm as opposed to what can we do for next season so it's a new approach for the Mets and then the other guy they got Travis Drew Gilbert he is currently in double a um, this season he started the season in high a where he was absolutely crushing it in 21 games of high a he was batting 360 
batting average, 421 on base, 686 slugging. So he was absolutely destroying the baseball. And then in double A, he's played 60 games this season there. Um, the power has not translated completely yet. He does have six home runs in those 60 games. Uh, you know, he's slightly able to blow average with a 92 WRC plus, but overall, um, he's 22 years old in double A. He still has time. He was the top prospect in their system for a reason. Um, his estimated time of arrival is next season. He was the 49th prospect in baseball by Fangraphs uh, going into this season and number one in the Astro system. So um, a lot to like with that return. Travis, I say we shift over to uh, another deal the Mets did with another team in the same division. Texas Rangers are getting Max Scherzer, um, of course, from the Mets. We'll kind of talk about the Mets' return in a second. But first, let's talk about how Texas is going to be impacted by these moves. Not only did they get Scherzer, but they also got Jordan Montgomery from the St. Louis Cardinals. And they also got Austin Hedges um, from the Pirates, which is a move that I cannot explain. I guess they just need – they wanted – I think Haim is – Heim suffered a, a a wrist injury, AJ, and I think they're giving him two weeks off and then they'll reassess it. But they said that there might be a strong possibility that he could need surgery and miss the rest of the season. So wow. um I yeah, I heard that news a couple of days back. I, I I wasn't I didn't keep tabs on, you know, Rangers uh, updates or news, but I know that Heim right now I think is dealing with a wrist injury and they don't know the the level of concern uh of it yet. So I think depth was a, a big factor in that Hedges move. But yeah, that, yeah that, that, that does make sense. I know that Hedges already has played for them. So even though he is someone with, um, I would say, severely negative offensive value, like yep. Travis, one of the worst offensive players of like the current generation. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to bag on the guy because he has proven a state in the MLB because of the defense, because of the uh, probably the pitch calling, I assume, is elite, the preparation with the pitchers. Uh, catchers have a lot of extra things on their job description that they have to go through, uh, you know, building that chemistry with with the pitchers. So maybe um, he's going to fit in well, helping getting the most out of guys like Evaldi, like his new teammate uh, Scherzer. Um, So I think that there's reasons to understand the Hedges move from a defensive um, and pitching standpoint, helping the pitchers out. And then maybe if the hitting is too big of an issue, you have Garver who can uh, come off the bench and um, play that catcher position but you're getting more of a thumper if you're losing late in the game. Yeah. So I could see a, a nice little offense-defense kind of partnership between Garver and um, and uh, Hedges. So Travis, but focusing on Scherzer and Montgomery additions to the rotation, does that move the needle for you for Texas? Do you think they are um, a lo- like? Do they go up a slight tier for you in terms of how legit they are? Um, where do you rank their rotation right now? Yeah, I mean, surprisingly not, Alex. I I look at Scherzer, a guy who is, and I'm not clear if he's 40 yet or if he is uh, just over the age of 40, but on he's, the cusp, he's an old pitcher. He's he's an old guy on the uh, on the <laughs> definitely on the back nine of his career. But I just don't see this being a wow improvement. Um, Jordan Montgomery as well. I think both guys are nice additions, but I don't see this being a move that possibly is a, a like you would say, a championship move. Right now, uh, Nathan Ivaldi is on the 15-day IL. I don't really know exactly what the um, what the injury is going on with him. So getting more depth is, of course, needed. That's a nice look. But right now, the rotation in whole. Uh, will Andrew Heaney come up big in a playoff game? Ah. Eh, 
probably not. It's it, it's not it's not likely. Uh, will Will Martin Perez come up big in a playoff game again? Probably not. It's not likely. John Gray, maybe it's it's if so, you know, and then also Dane Dunning as well. Um, I can see some regression from Dane Dunning as well. So right now, I mean, the Rangers are a team that has gotten off to a fantastic start in the first what 110 games but i see them now kind of starting to limp as we get into august and into september um i think a second place spot or wild card spot right now is looking more at uh at a realistic factor for this rangers team but so far i i do appreciate the aggressiveness that's always really nice when you see a team um you know really striving to make a deep playoff run especially as a fan you like to see that and the rangers have had a spectacular year so why not let's go for it all and win it and try and win it all but right now um i see them being a solid uh wild card team and a solid uh you know four through six seed uh to finish out the year i think the astros with the experience and just with the smart moves are a team that i would expect to win that division right now and also with injuries I mean, Corey Seager did deal with a little bit of a of a wrist sprain or wrist injury. He came back. I think he had a home run like in his first at bat or first game at least. But um, you're seeing you're, you're seeing some of the wheels start to fall off of this uh, of this unit. And who knows what will happen in the next six weeks or by September? Will this team be, uh, you know, kind of limping in uh, in second place? Hopefully, trying to stay in a playoff spot. You know, we'll see exactly what happens. I don't know exactly what their schedule is like in August, but. Uh, right now, I just know that I would say it's trending probably in the direction they really don't want it to go in. And that's, that seems kind of uh, weird to say because they are still in first place, but I just don't see them uh, staying atop in that division. And I don't think those moves are really going to pan out to be a a number one division winning uh, move and also a uh, a first round buy kind of move. And also um, right now being a wild card spot, I think that's what there should be a really truly aiming for and i think honestly beginning of the year i think a, a wild card spot was their goal i don't think a division win was uh, was ever going to be something they were hopefully i mean obviously you can dream about it but i don't think that was something that you could realistically shoot for but right now um the rangers uh again love the aggressiveness but i just don't know if that's the best move possible out there but i will say i don't really know how many moves would have been great moves for them because i feel like a lot of starting pitching uh was not was not really dealt at the uh, at the trade deadline. Uh, of course, Verlander was dealt, but he went to the rival in the Astros. And obviously, look at that your uh, your cross state rival, in my opinion, won the trade deadline. So Rangers got some. Uh, we'll have to make some just tough decisions, I think, in the next couple of uh, of weeks to to hopefully see where they can go. Travis, looking at the rotation and how it might work in a playoff series for Texas, I think it is quite kind of a fun little puzzle i mean i think evaldi and scherzer are guys you lock in as they will be starting a playoff game if you know i mean we're assuming the managers make it obviously um those are the two best pitchers in the rotation and then you have like this next tier where in my opinion you have jordan montgomery john gray and andrew heaney and i don't really know who is definitely going to be a starter yeah um you traded for montgomery so i assume he has to start a game. Like yes, you didn't, you absolutely. didn't, you didn't trade for, unless he's something, you know, catastrophic happens and he like throws like a bunch of blowouts in a row. Like you don't trade for a guy at the deadline just to make him a bullpen guy in the playoffs. But um, let's just say 
Montgomery gets penciled in for game three and maybe John Gray for game four or Andrew Heaney. It probably depends on the, you know, the team you're facing and um, some other managerial decisions and, and probably who finished the season better. But, you know, guys like Perez and Dunning, I view as um, not postseason game starters, um, not huge difference makers as a starter for, you know, against a top level team. So I, I think that Overall, overall, these moves help them by pushing some okay starters into like a long relief role in a playoff series. But I agree with you that like if they're facing off against another um, really good team, their pitching is probably still going to be worse than the Astros if they face each other. At least if you're talking about like the front four, like in a playoff series, yep. like Evaldi, Scherzer, Montgomery, Gray slash Heaney. Was that better than Verlander, Framber, Christian Javier, and Hunter Brown on the Astros? I would think that I would probably take leaning the Astros way. Even though I'm quite high on Evaldi, um, I would probably lean Verlander over over Scherzer. And then, um, you know, I, I, probably Framber. Eh. I mean, it, 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 gets, it, gets, it becomes a fun conversation, I think. But overall, I, I like what you said about this move not really pushing the Texas uh, Texas Rangers over the top. But I do still think that they understand that this is their, you know, season. It's not mm-hmm. like, it's not like all has failed if they don't win at all, because they do have um, good prospects coming up. They do have, um, you know, a lot of young talent and long contracts for Seager and Samian. So a lot of your core is not going anywhere. So it's not like it's this season or bust, but they understood their window they have is now actually open. So they went and got aggressive on the deadline. So that I really respect. And that is something I think will um, bode well for them down the the stretch. I think that if they didn't make any moves, uh, things could have gotten a bit more dicey down the stretch. And like you said, I could see them kind of petering out in the first round if things um you know discharge did not go their way but and, and, what's, and what's funny is their top three war leaders right now are guys that they gave good contracts to in free agency i mean seager Semyon, Ivaldi, and all three of those guys make up just about 12 to 13 wins right then and there right now right now to date um you know end of the season you could be looking at these three guys making up to you know 18 wins or so who knows what their wars are going to be finishing off at but uh we looked at Texas a couple of years back as a team that definitely had a good farm system was building for, uh, you know, a, probably a 2025 window of really competing. But the aggressiveness in the offseason really pushed that window to now 2023. Again, they have a really good team. And uh, I think it's it's important that they needed to capitalize and, you know, make big moves in the offseason or not in the offseason in, at the trade deadline to again state that this is a year that they have a serious shot of of making a deep playoff run which they definitely still can do um i i I definitely appreciate that and and it's nice to see that teams out there can look at this model and say hey we might not be ready but if we were to be if we were to be aggressive in the offseason and get some of the big fish hey we can push our year up we can push our our time up you know one to three years in advance something like that that's just a little point to put at that um for the rangers so again a, a kudos on that part and then travis looking at the flip side of the trade again the mets um dealing away their two uh big uh huge contract older pitchers in a, in exchange for strictly young prospects they uh got in return for scherzer 
uh, Luis Angel Acuna, who is, of course, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s brother. Uh, Luis Angel is a 5'8 middle infielder, plays shortstop some. Um, he is currently 21 in double A. So he is, you know, I would say a little on the younger side for where he's at in the minors, which is good if you're producing um, with, you know, facing guys who are older than you and stuff. So uh, currently this season with when he was uh, a ranger uh, in double A this season, he was hitting for a 315 average, a 377 on base, a 453 slugging. Um, that's good for a 121 WRC plus as a middle infielder. I would say it's pretty dang good. Also stole 42 bags in 84 games. So takes after his older brother in that regard as well. Um, some things I've heard about him as a player, um, not really trending right now at the moment, at least to have the power of a Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, I, I, I saw, I listened to another podcast. They compared him to like an Ozzy Albies, perhaps like mm. there is that sneaky pop, but not the same level of consistent um, 30, 40, 40 bombs every year, 30, yeah. 40 home yeah. runs is not going to probably be in his future. It's not, you know, you can't rule it out because he's still 21 could put on muscle. Things could change there. Um, but he is, I would say, uh, developing quite well. Um, and the fact that he is, has speed in the middle infield and above average hitter, um, who is hitting over 300, um, you know, there's a contact component there, a lot to like, obviously. So the Mets might be looking at someone who could take over the reins from Lindor if Lindor has to move off the position at some point in the future, or um, he could play second base with Lindor, and that could be a fun pairing uh, in the middle infield. But Travis, uh, I'm just so interested to see how the Mets look in the next uh, one to two years with these prospects coming up, how quickly how quickly they can make an impact, and all that kind of fun stuff. But let's keep it rolling. Looking at the third team that made additions in the AL West, the Angels, Travis, they acquired CJ Crone and Randall Grichuk from the Rockies um, to provide some more offense, add some offensive depth to the team, which comes at a time when the Angels' offense was a bit inconsistent. Angels are the kings of, of depth this year so far, I would say, because, I mean, it, it might not be the A-plus shiny gold star player, but it's the MLB talent that's going to get the job done, and we've seen that for the last it, six months now. It was the issue last season without question is the bottom half of the order was just not MLB caliber, and uh, the Angels' uh, front office knows that this season means so much to their future uh, with Otani's decision uh, kind of pending, and then also, um, you know, Trout's not getting any younger. You just want to win now. Um, with that in mind, they decided to continue filling in all the injuries they've had. I mean, I think right now they have the most uh, players on the IL of any MLB team. They're addressing that by simply saying, we can't afford to push us off the next season and say, oh, bad injury luck, sorry. They're just saying, we'll fill any injury void with a, a free agent signing, a, a small trade here or there. And then at the deadline, they finally made bigger splashes. Um, we already covered uh, the Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez stuff in the last episode, but um, so far, Reynaldo Lopez has looked really good out of the bullpen. Um, Giolito had a blow-up start um, against Atlanta, but Travis, the Braves are just a whole other beast. I'm <laughs> yes, not going to yeah. pile on uh, Giolito too much for that start. We'll see how he looks. Um, you know, Maybe his first home start, maybe his uh, first start against a team that's not a juggernaut, um, and then probably assess from there. And, but and honestly, I mean— Tough thing to do is come over to a new team and your first two teams you have to face is the Blue Jays and the 
Braves. I mean, two juggernaut offenses. Two of the best if, offenses. If both are clicking, I mean, two of one of the yeah, two of the, some of the best offenses in baseball. So, I mean, no, I, I I had no problem with. I know the blow up start. I think the Braves were they weren't hitting as well the first two games, and then the third game, you knew they were going to explode one of the days, and they it happened to be that day. But uh, continue about with the Angels. Yeah, so they added Cronin Gritchuk for the offense. Um, Taylor Ward, of course, took a ball to the face in Toronto. Um, if you guys saw that, it was not pretty. Wishing the best for him, of course. You know, we're big fans of what he does for the Angels. I think an underrated player. Uh, great overall, but, you know, there's no timeline for return. Uh, I, he's on the 60-day IL, which the earliest day he can possibly come back is the second-to-last game of the season. And... Uh, I think that the idea is that he's probably out for the season and maybe there's a chance they could reassess if the Angels end up in the playoffs, but um, not not something you can really hold out hope for. So they went out and I think they were already, already addressing uh, corner infield by getting CJ Crone. And I think as that deal was finalizing, they said, hey, what will it take to throw in Grichuk because we just lost an outfielder? Um, Grichuk already um, hit a home run in his first game as an angel, first game played as an angel. Uh, Crone has a couple hard-hit balls, I think a couple RBIs, but um, hasn't you know completely got a hold of one yet. How do you think those um, additions are going to help the Angels' offense? And then, of course, they also added um, Dominic Leone from the Mets. How do you think these uh, deadline additions uh, change the Angels' next two months? Yeah, I mean— First thing, you're getting MLB talent uh, that can hold down the fort for, you know, a couple of more weeks until some of our main, you know, starters slash contributors get back. I know uh, Brendan Drury is going to, I think, still be in Salt Lake City for another two games, most likely by the end or middle of this weekend there'll be a new assessment of what he looks like and maybe he can join the team on Sunday we'll see exactly what happens there and then also with Trout most likely I know they talked about dry swings and 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 possibly seeing maybe like a a, a mid to uh to late middle August return for Mike Trout and then of course with uh Logan Ohapi uh our catcher who was just a stud in the first month of the season most likely looking at maybe a, a end of August um uh you know, welcome back to the team. So I think so far those moves are very nice. Again, you're getting MLB talent to kind of hold down the fort for the next couple of weeks until these guys come back. And then when these guys come back, basically you have, like I mentioned, I think I said it either, either last week or, or, the, or the week before is that you have like a dream team, like bench for, for, uh, for an MLB team, because you're going to have so much uh, talent and so many options to go with. Uh, in late game situations, you know, if you have a lefty pitcher and there's a and there's a lefty up, hey, you can put C.J. Crone or Randall Grichik in. Or if there's a, a righty pitcher and you need a, a lefty bat, well, maybe you put a guy like uh, Moustakis in, or a guy like even if um, if Mickey Moniak's not playing that day, something that you can uh, you can really strategize late game and and, and work around with that. Uh, so right now I look at those guys that we got as very, not the, maybe not the most attractive or, or best pieces that you'd like to see. Um, but I, I do like that. They're going to hopefully just kind of keep, uh, a, a 500 baseball going, or at least a, a, a slightly above 500 baseball, uh, street kind of going for the next couple of weeks until some of our main contributors get back. And then hopefully we have everybody stay healthy. We've had a lot of key guys step up as well. I know uh, Luis Renjifo, I think since the all-star break ended, um, he, he's been on a, a, a very nice, 
uh, tear for for his hitting and his defense. So good to see that Zach Neto is back, which is always nice to see. And then um, I, I think with with just getting the production we've gotten so far from um, surprisingly even like Andrew Velasquez, I know I, I get on him so much. I still don't think he is like the best, even average MLB MLB talent he should not be at up at the major league level but he at least was having some level of production here or there I think in some games he might have had like a home run where it was like so unexpected and it's like wow like he actually really is helping the team but um it is nice to have Neto back um it is nice to get a lot of contributions from a lot of different guys and of course now with Gritchick and Crone in, in the lineup um these two guys as well being uh being guys that have had success um, or spurts of success at the major league level so again I, I so far um I, I do I do like the move so far. I think that it's it's gonna keep us above five hundred from the time being. I know the stretch for the next couple of weeks gets really rough with the Angels, but I think we have the club that can definitely still do it. Uh we're not playing the Atlanta Braves or the uh, Toronto Blue Jays anymore. So I, I honestly am happy with that. And um yeah, I mean I I would definitely say as well, Giolito is a very nice addition. Um I think that really makes our rotation that much deadlier. And as well as uh, the uh, the bullpen arm of uh, Ronaldo Lopez, uh, I think so far Alex he's been he's been pretty electric out of the bullpen. Not really any two not 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 any concerns right now. And and even I was thinking on the way home today, AJ, I I, I just thought, man, I mean, this team on paper is just so good, especially if everyone's healthy. It's almost just unfair, but it it's almost like can we just get to a playoff series and then let these guys run because we get to a playoff series where the sample size is is drastically shortened i mean these these kind of players can run away with a series and really produce and i think that that they're a team that could be a sneaky offense and a sneaky pitching staff to make a deep run in october if they were to get there but again you gotta you gotta pace along with this marathon and 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 stay with the uh stay with the the teams that are uh you know ahead of you in in that uh that four through six wild card so far but um, right now, Alex, I, I will say I'm very happy with the additions. I know the, the, the last couple of games didn't go as I wanted, but you know what? When you look at the nine game road stand, I think we went five and four. That's above 500. And honestly, I'll take it with 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 those last six games against juggernaut performances and teams. I'll definitely take um, the five and four overall road stand so far. Yeah, what you were saying about, you know, just trying to get all healthy at once. Um, it's going to come down to, you know, guys who have had kind of recurring injuries. Can they just kind of keep it together? A guy like Trout um, with the handmade injury, Travis, feels like a pretty freak thing. It's not like one of these old man injuries. You know, you told me you got it when you were in college. Um, you had a handmade injury. Um, so it's not like his body's breaking down on him. You know, there might be some sort of Trout-like injury concern, like, you know, blog posts going around. But I don't think it's like that sort of, you know old man issue you know trout's getting older blah blah i think it really is just kind of like he had a really fluke injury um still playing uh great baseball should have been a you know all-star starter was gonna be before he got hurt so i do think that you know when he gets back there should be immediate contribution there and then the outfield all of a sudden you're talking about trout as an everyday guy and then now you're looking at okay maybe gritchuk can uh, play most days. Maybe Moniac can platoon with either Grichuk or Renfro. I mean, you really have lots of options. So I like um, the way the team's trending in that perspective. In terms of adding the guys they did, I think Grichuk is just like a very, like, 
you kind of know what you're going to get. You're not going to get someone who's going to be player of the month, most likely, but you're going to get someone who is not going to be, be player of the week. <laughs> he could, he could, he could, take, he could steal a player of the week. Um, I think he's going to have, you know, some slight ups and downs, but overall a somewhat consistent outfield presence that's going to be MLB level. Um, of course, and then CJ Crone, Travis, he's having a below average year by his standards and by, you know, MLB standards, but I think that those numbers are not super um, indicative of his actual performance. I am higher on him than most uh, probably. His barrel percent, Travis, is at 94th percentile. Max exit velocity number on the season is 94th percentile. Expected slugging, 90 percentile. Expected batting average, 81 percentile. So he's supposed to be a well above average batting average this season based on just how his quality of contact is looking um, with the exit velocity and launch angle stuff. But um, his, his true numbers are lower than the expected numbers um, at this point. I think that's something that could possibly uh, change in the positive direction here pretty soon. Um, there, there's, there's not, it's not a, a glowing perfect, um, you know, resume for his season. He's not walking a ton. He is quite slow, but he is a first baseman. So I think that's probably okay. Um, the glove is not terrible at first. It's uh, above average. So uh, I think that it's a overall really a good move, a shrewd move. Um, since we're so focused on winning this season, I think we targeted good pieces. Travis. And I, I like what you said, too, that you know what you're going to get with these guys. Even with Gritchick, you're going to get, you know, MLB talent. You know, years past, we were getting guys that might have had a good prime or a guy that maybe had one or two seasons that were spectacular all-star seasons or we were, we were resting on guys that were prospects, guys that were in the minors and that we thought that, hey, we're going to bring him up and he's going to turn into, you know, Mike Trout. And, 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 and we're going to get a a, a, a all-time, uh, you know, uh, rookie or, you know, we're going to get a two months from a rookie that, you know, we haven't seen since, you know, Mike Trout or something like that. So I, I do like that we're being realistic here and saying just get the guy that we know what we're going to get from we're not we're not you know there's nothing suspicious going on here he's going to have like you said an ops plus somewhere around 100 he's going to be an mlb average player just so we can get along for the next couple of weeks and then we can give it over to some of our guys because for instance alex on what is it we are wednesday yesterday we had uh one of our one of our prospects starting in center field jordan adams and and he was a first overall um uh, first round pick in I think 2018 if I'm not mistaken or 2017 uh, a freak of an athlete he really is an athlete out there I, I hopefully next coming years if he can really kind of put things some things together he can be a really fun and special player to look at but I mean making some critical errors in the outfield and some overthrows he, he, he's that supposed were, to be known for defense in the minors as exactly. well. exactly and I, I think even Nevin told him when he came up saying hey kid like all I need you to do is catch the ball like I don't care about your offense. I just need you to play very good defense. And we saw yesterday, it, it was not a great day in the outfield defensively, overthrowing the cutoff man, overthrowing guys in the infield, making bad decisions on where to throw the ball in certain situations. So again, we're getting MLB talent that it's not their first rodeo. Uh, it's guys that have been around, uh, they've been around the league a couple times. And so they know what to do and what to expect in September and what to expect in August, how to take care of their bodies, that sort of thing. So I do like that. We're getting guys that have been around the block a couple of times, um, and, and have done it before. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that looking at Grichuk and Crone, 
I'm trying to, I'm trying to piece it together here, but essentially like, like the way I look at it last, I mean, Travis, I asked you on Saturday when Taylor Ward got hurt, who do you think is going to be starting in outfield? <laughs> who's going to be the third outfielder with Renfro, Renfro and Moniak? And our ideas were it's going to either have to be Luis Renjifo or it's going to have to be Trey Cabbage. Yeah. And yeah. those are two guys with defense not good. <laughs> very, I mean, I mean, Renjifo is simply not an outfielder. Yeah. He played some center field yep. in the World Baseball Classic. I think he probably played it at some point in the minors. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but not, I mean, he's not reliable in the infield where his primary position is at, let alone um, a foreign position. Um, Trey Cabbage, Travis, he is someone who actually um, plays a lot of outfield in the minors, even though we had him at first base most of the time. He had a couple innings at center field uh, this season with the Angels, but definitely not the level of MLB experience in the outfield like a guy like Randall, Randall Grichuk. So it's really funny how I think I asked you that question, and then about like 24 36 hours later or something, we all of a sudden, oh, we have a deal for Randall Gritchuk. So that makes a lot of sense um, addressing needs. Travis, let's keep it rolling here. We could talk about Angels all day. We don't want to do that. Um, the LA, we'll stay, we'll stay in LA though. The LA Dodgers, Travis, they added some new pieces as well. Uh, Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly in the same deal from uh, the uh, White, uh, Chicago White Sox. They also got Brian Yarbrough from uh, the Royals. And we're going to talk about how we think those pitching additions kind of look um, for the next two months and, and for the playoffs. But also worth noting, they were heavily in the race for Eduardo Rodriguez from the uh, Detroit Tigers. He has a no trade clause where he's allowed to decline like 10 teams. He declined the trade. Um, what I read from his agent was something about how it's not like an LA thing. It's more about he needs to kind of make sure things are okay with his family. He put that no trade clause in place because he doesn't want to uproot his family at a moment's notice. He has kids. Um, you don't want to just kind of pull their lives from them um, at any given time. So I think he tried to figure out what a move to LA would look like. And then before they knew it, the deadline was approaching too fast. Couldn't get a deal done is what the agent said at least. But Travis... What are your thoughts on the Dodgers deadline? Did they do enough? Did they are they already good enough to you know be comfortable with the moves that they made? Um, didn't really land a um, a Verlander, a Scherzer, even an uh, Eduardo Rodriguez would have been a helpful. But give me your thoughts on their additions. Yeah, I mean it's funny. Even after he pressed the stop button last week, I think I mentioned the Dodgers needed. I think they had just gotten Ahmed Rosario and had gotten uh, Kike Hernandez. And I said to myself, I think I said to you even on their podcast is that they need to go after pitching. I mean, right now the pitching rotation just doesn't look complete. It doesn't look like a rotation that can go far in the playoffs, uh, let alone uh, make the World Series and win it. And that's the goal, I think, every year for the Dodgers. But they did acquire Lance Lynn, a guy that I'm not, again, I'm not a huge fan of. He is uh, getting up there in age. He's 36. He's not having the best season with, uh, he didn't have the best season with the White Sox and ERA above a six. But I will say, I think things are trending in a little bit of a better direction over the last couple starts, at least when I seen, at least when I saw the numbers. But, um, he did, I think, have his first start with the Dodgers. I think it went well. He had a 3.86 in a in a seven a seven innings pitched performance and got the win. So that's at least a good start right there. But I overall, Alex, I just I don't know 
what their strategy or what they are trying to accomplish because again the dodgers every single year you're going to go out and get max scherzer you're going to get trey turner you're going to get the biggest names on the market at the deadline you know years past you got machado and all that but i just don't know what to make of um the moves this year and alex again they're a team that always loves to surprise the world and and shock everybody it wouldn't be surprising to me if they wound up in the national league division series or if they wound up in the national league championship series just based on the experience and the uh and the 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 great minds over in that dodgers front office but i i truly don't understand what 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 they're what they're trying to go after at least in in this trade deadline because did they get better i would say slightly they got better but i don't think it's enough to really push or move the needle and they're a team right now that has a i think it's a two and a half game lead over the giants in the, the nl west and I, I figured they would want to go out there and, and just secure a big name like Eduardo Rodriguez and just really reassure themselves and the rest of the league and their division that they're they're taking it seriously and that they're going to focus hard to, again, bring another Western Division championship home uh, to L.A. And it could still happen. But again, I just don't think it it really puts them in a good spot um, with the rest of the National League. That's all. That's kind of how I'll put it as well, because I think they know the West is important, but the National League is is one of the most important things to look at. Um, can you beat out your entire league to get to that World Series? So um, right now, I, I think it's confident and it's strong to say they are not the best team in the National League. And there is a gap still for that best team in the National League. So that's kind of how we're all, we're all put it right now. Yeah, I like what you had to say. I think that there is that gap between them and a team like the Braves. But we have... it. Part of it is because we have such high expectations for the Dodgers. They put those expectations on themselves because they go into every season as some sort of World Series contender year in and year out. So we expect them to be able to kind of make uh, swing for the fences moves to give themselves the best shot to make it through the NL. It feels like they are not quite as complete as a Braves at the moment. Um, even talent on paper, there's probably some other teams they might look at and uh, struggle with a little bit but I, I to me travis it still feels like they're a solid number two with probably a bit of a gap between them and whoever is next in line whether that be a diamondbacks whether that be a giants whether it be um whoever is going to come out of the central or the wild card in the east um but travis i am looking at um the guys they added and it feels like lots of depth right there was no impact like high impact piece lance lynn travis I am not even like a hundred, hundred percent that he will like start a playoff game for them. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I could see him being like the kind of bridge guy to come and relieve after a Kershaw or Urias start. Um, just with that lefty righty action, I think that would be uh, interesting. And I also think that you know Kelly is just a solid bullpen move. Um, Yarbrough, not someone I expect to start any big games. Probably like a bridge guy as well. The thing with the Dodgers is, Travis, they consistently, time and time again, transform guys, make little tweaks, make them better. They already were heavily mixing up Lynn's pitch mix in his first outing with the Dodgers. I'm not sure if they view him as a guy to help just get them to the playoffs, keeping um, less stress on Kershaw, less stress on some of the youngsters that have never been in this kind of position before at the MLB level, um, guys like Miller. Uh, guys like Sheehan. So I think that 
there's that component to think about as well. You know, maybe we just needed some more MLB level arms to help get us there in one piece. That could be part of their equation as well. But like I said, they were already mixing up Lynn's pinch mix. Um, I think he was using more fastball than normal. I, I don't have it in front of me, but um, I think it was a lot less of, and, and, and I, I actually saw this really interesting stat today um, about right-handedness versus left-handedness. He is getting, Lance Lynn, getting absolutely demolished by lefties. Like it is like, mm. it is like every lefty is faced. You just add up the numbers and like the splits and it's like, and the MVP of the league. It's like Shoyo wow, Tani numbers. Wow, it's like wow. the, the, their on base is over 400 and their slugging is over 600. Like I don't have it in front of me, but it's yeah. it, it's a monstrous kind of platoon situation. So that makes me think that, um, I mean, to me, it just kind of screams like uh, using a lefty to get that platoon advantage or something and then put in Lynn or something like that. I don't know how they'll work it in the playoffs. Dodgers, if someone's going to figure it out, it's going to be them. I think um, we saw uh, Moniak and Moose uh, take him deep like, three weeks to a month ago. I think it was a month ago when the White Sox came to Anaheim. But yeah, it's like the lefties just are murdering him. So and with, with that in mind, you know, I wonder how the Dodgers are going to try to change his approach when pitching the lefties, um, if that's going to be part of their equation. But there is that kind of um, obstacle to kind of look for Dodgers fans. You know, when he, when Lynn is on the mound, think about, um, you know, how is he attacking these lefties? What are the Dodgers maybe trying to get him to change about his approach on what pitching the lefties? Because pitching against righties, he's done pretty fine. And the overall strikeout numbers on the season, not terrible. Um, the walk numbers, not terrible. It's just really about, um, you know, managing uh, who's uh, batting at the plate uh, versus lefty or righty. So that's a fun thing to kind of think about and look at. I'm kind of in agreement with you that it's not this big needle moving uh, trade deadline for the Dodgers, but I still do think that they are able to get the most out of these guys. I mean, but Travis, I will say this. We talked about him last week, but Noah Syndergaard, they sent him away. He's like the first time I really feel like the Dodgers like quit on a guy. Like they yeah. signed him with the intention to fix him and admitted that they couldn't by sending him away. And it's kind of a really interesting um, thing. But Dodgers, you know, they know when to cut their losses. I'll put and it did that you, way. Uh, did, did you see that that first start by Noah? what happened again it was uh i mean not not a, not it was it was a good start i would say it's uh he pitched uh five and, and one third inning and only gave up two hits so uh had a very quality start i would say but uh, advanced numbers would not like it as well i mean the, the fip was near a five and the era was down at like a one six nine but um it probably gave up hard contact but just uh good defense by the guardians probably escaped some some big innings but it was just funny to see that i think his best start almost of the year was uh was his first start with the guardians in cleveland so uh and that'll happen travis yeah that, it will happen that's uh that's like the silliness of baseball there but um aj, AJ i'll ask you one thing because there's one matter i wanted to talk about and it, it's it's both leagues um both central divisions i i do not see anyone that got better um yet some teams made some smart moves like i i am appreciative that you know the cardinals um, the Pirates and even like the White Sox and and in some part, I think uh, Detroit as well. They wanted to get guys off the roster to hope bring in younger talent. And that's always a win. You know, when when you're not when you do not see a winning window this year and you need to kind of come to reality, it is smart to get guys off the roster and to, you know, get better for for the future. But, man, I mean, looking at Minnesota, looking at Cleveland, looking at Milwaukee, I those are three teams that I just don't 
I don't really get. Like, I mean, I mean, sure. I mean, Minnesota and Cleveland, you guys are in a dogfight. Cleveland is only two games behind. You know, you don't have a a. There's no way in hell that you have a shot at the wild card right now because the wild card is just so much better than what you're what you're playing in your division right now. And both teams, I did not really see have a a super huge. Um, uh, trade deadline and 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 Cleveland I, I know they have some very good prospects that they could give away now of course maybe they're they're really truly planning for a future uh run and not really this season but hey I think Alex whenever you have an opportunity might as well go out there and take it you know not every year can you truly say like we have a strong you know possibility of of winning the division I think you got to really take advantage of that stuff but I, I walk me through kind of those kind of teams. I mean, I know Cincinnati is super young and they kind of are looking at as we're going to ride with all of our young talent because it just seems like they bring up a new guy every two weeks. That's a top prospect and he performs right away. So I get why Cincinnati maybe said we don't want to go out there and get other players. We want to stay with our core because we can actually win with our core. But so many teams I feel like could have done diff- different things and, and and take me through what 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 do you think? why are these teams really just kind of sitting still? It's a great question. I am of the belief that these teams are just um, sad and that they don't, <laughs> they don't want to. I, I think they think that winning the division is, is, is going to be their world series and that they probably don't think that anything else can happen after that. And that they are just saying, we're not going to do anything it's, in the playoffs. It's, it's interesting yeah. because for them to make the playoffs, the bar is really low. Like mm-hmm. all they have to do for either 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 league is I win mean, eighty five games. <laughs> especially in the American League, I'd say it's like the main race feels like right now it's between the Guardians and the Twins. Be surprised if anyone else kind of gets it their way in that in that race. But the Guardians literally traded away like some of their regulars. Like they traded away Josh Bell, Ahmed Rosario, like guys who are playing every day for them. And somehow it's like Travis. I look at their team and it's like. They, they got worse and they still like have a very easy chance to make the playoffs. And it's just really sad that like a team literally can be a seller and also be like in a playoff position just because that's how bad the division is. And I would say, honestly, it's like not me, me being a, a guy who wants fun things to happen in the sports world. I wish that they went and bought and got some, you know, reinforcements and tried to, you know, take over the the AL Central and dominate the Twins and make a playoff run. But I would say for them and their own calculations and the way they're kind of a really cheap team, I kind of see how it makes sense to just be like, hey, you know what? Like, even if we traded away a couple of our starters, like our starting our starting position players, we probably can still sneak into the playoffs because the Twins are kind of standing still. We can probably get a little bit worse and still make the playoffs. So that, that's a really funny kind of risk yeah, to take. But yeah. um like we know our division is a shit show and we can actually just stay uh stay afloat and even get rid of some of these guys and you know get some get some younger guys in return and we're still gonna be just fine so it's it's a funny point you bring up that is, is it really is true and then looking at some of the other teams uh in the central divisions uh the red stand out to me you mentioned how they don't really need a mortgage like their future prospects on any win now players. I still feel like their pitching is a huge concern. I mean, they win their games with offense and their pitching usually just struggles and tries its best to keep them in games. Um, a lot of failure in that front. They've had some injuries in the pitching department as well. 
Um, but Charles, looking at their lack of additions, it is a bit concerning to me. I know that they were in on, you know, certain guys and, and they, you know, inquired about, you know, Flaherty and Montgomery and whoever else. But, you know, I think that at the end of the day, they could have done well to add maybe one piece. Um, they were trying to shop India. It seems like they couldn't get anyone to bite. But I feel like if you tried to offer India and then maybe um, somewhere between their, their their sixth and tenth prospect um, and try to package that for just like a like a like a two or three starter for them, I think it could have really helped in like a playoff series because I um, mean they are in their minds playoff bound and do they think they can win a series, let alone multiple series, with their current rotation and how it's performing? Um, I'd be pretty surprised. Of course, Travis, we all know the playoffs is a different, uh, yep. total different animal. Crazy things happen all the time, but I'm just not super sold on on their pitching, to be frank. And I it, think that's a really reasonable concern to have looking at their team. Definitely, it, it is. It is astounding that they only have one pitcher right now that, it, and that is Andrew Abbott, who is having a, a great you know start. I think to his career. I think he's a rookie this year, Alex. But he's but, only at he's only at uh, eleven starts. So yeah, sixty five innings pitched. So if, he's, think, if he has a couple blow ups, all of a sudden you're looking at. All their pitchers who are healthy are yes. like a four or five year right or yes. higher. Yes, I, I was I was excluding Hunter Green. I think he he's still injured. I don't know when he's going to be coming back. He is the guy that throws uh, for you listeners. He's the guy that he can probably top out at like 103 miles an hour. He's got one of the fastest you know fastballs in the majors right now. But other than Andrew Abbott right now, they do not have another starter with an ERA. Uh, under a 4.8. I mean, you're talking about a division leader right now with a rotation that is uh, that that is just not pretty. And and it's funny that it's getting the job done. The offense is is on a roll, and it's been on a roll all year. At least it seems since since May June, uh, since one of these some of the a lot of these guys getting brought up. And it truly is a a very good offense. I mean, right now. Uh, five of the guys in the offense have, you know, about OPS pluses at a 110 or higher. So that is very nice to see. And uh, and even the bench guys are are stepping up too. Uh, so right now I am, um, yeah. I, again, I don't really know what to make it. I think that a lot of teams could have uh, could have done a lot more to to really uh, to really push the needle forward. And even looking at Milwaukee, every year, Alex, we talk about Milwaukee. They are a team that's always going to be in the hunt for the division because the Central just continues to not be very good. Milwaukee right now, um, they, they, they added Mark Canna. They added Mark Canna exactly. I saw that too, and I think right now he is yeah he's zero for seven in his first <laughs> in his first hot, uh, hot start. Zero for six uh, in, in his first AB yeah, in his first six at bats uh, and seven plate appearances, but. Again, another team that does not really know how to push that needle forward. And I guess that this year is not really a let's go on and win. You know, right now the starting pitching is decent. Right now their best uh, starting pitcher based on ERA is Wade Miley at a 3.01. The next guy up is Corbin Burns. I, I would definitely go with Corbin Burns in a playoff start than Wade Miley. But you have basically Burns and Wade Miley. A bunch of other guys that are up in the fours and in the high fours for ERA. So, again, I, I get you don't really want to commit all in this year. Maybe if Burns and Freddie Peralta and, you know, Wade Miley all had ERAs under a three and the offense was actually cooking and let's just say the bullpen was doing really well, you would probably give up that second overall uh, prospect right now for maybe a very key option. If the Angels were not looking like a good team, uh, 
at the traded line, yeah, you would give up that prospect for Shohei Otani so you could add to that team and add to that rotation and that offense. And then you could say, we're all dialed in. We're all ready for a playoff run. Um, but again, I just don't know what they could have done, but I think they could have done a lot more to really move that needle a little bit further and uh, and and really claim a a solid position for that National League division. So again, these two divisions, the American League and the National, I, I don't really know what to make of it. I think it's just a free-for-all. And I think every team in it kind of feels like, you know what? I mean, whoever wins it, you're going to get a home playoff series in the wild card. And that, and that's, that's pretty big. That, that, that's really significant. But at the same time, um, the sixth seed, I think in both leagues would be what, what I wouldn't say would have an easy time with them, but it almost feels like on paper, they would, uh, they would mash them. So that, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. It, it'll be fun for sure. With both AL and NL, whatever team ends up winning the centrals um against probably a hot formidable wild card team it should be fun travis but let's make sure we keep things rolling here um where do i want to go next i think we should go to we cover the dodgers um teams are competing with um we'll look at the padres and arizona we'll try to cover kind of two birds one stone here which which team if either or both or neither do you think move the needle? Arizona went out and they got Paul Seawald, Andrew Chafin, and Tommy Pham um, additions, you know, a, uh, two relief pitchers and outfield bat. Um, Padres added many guys. They had Garrett Cooper, who is a offensive bat that I feel like is going to do something similar to what they hope Nelson Cruz would do, but kind of failed to do. Then they also are getting G-Man Choi, who I think is almost like what they wanted Carpenter to be, but uh, failed to be. So I feel like there's almost <laughs> yeah, like yeah. whatever did not work in our free agent decisions, we're going to try to fix it at the deadline. They're also adding Rich Hill for rotation depth and Scott Barlow from the Royals for relief pitching depth. Um, he could be a really fun setup man for a guy like Josh Hader. So Travis, do either of those teams, do you feel like they made a significant step forward or are they kind of staying in place? Yeah, I I think they're kind of staying in place. I mean, Arizona, I think right now they are kind of just built on the team that they have at hand and they're kind of just saying to themselves, this is who we're going to roll with and and we're not really looking to make a, a lot of big moves outside even though, you know, a championship team is going to make moves at the deadline so that they can uh really boost themselves for the last 2 months and then into the playoffs, but the Padres made some moves, and, and yes, kudos to them. They actually had a huge series. I don't know if they swept, but they won the series against the Rangers at home. Um, but then that followed with a, uh, I think it was like almost a, I don't know who they played next, AJ. I have to look right now. But uh, it was not a, uh, it, was, it wasn't a pretty uh, outcome for um, for that next series. And then, of course, they played, um, they're, they are playing the Dodgers uh, this week, so a lot of games to go against with the Dodgers. But to me, I'm, I'm like again, I like that the Padres are are really pushing for it. The one thing I just have a problem with, and I see with uh, with where they're at, is they have a lot of teams to compete with right now. I mean, they have five teams ahead of them, and to me, that is that's tough to deal with because you're not only having to control your own destiny, but you're also hoping that other teams are going to fall short or that other teams are going to, you know, hopefully uh, start losing some ball games that you can climb over them. But right now I, 
I don't know. I, I guess with the Padres, I would have just been a little bit smarter. I, I don't know if and if you're going to go out there and make these these moves at the trade line, I would get probably more impactful players. I mean, Rich Hill, is he going to be impactful? Probably not. You know, Jimon Choi, is he going to be impactful? Maybe against righties, but not against lefties because he's a very good platoon bat. And then uh, and then the same thing with uh, with Garrett Cooper. Is he going to be impactful again? I don't know. Maybe against lefties, maybe not against righties, but. They had, I think they had a good opportunity this off or this trade deadline with um, with Blake Snell and Hader coming off the books, and both guys are having outstanding seasons. I think they really could have had a a very nice prospect haul uh, with with those two guys, and then also with uh, with Juan Soto. I know there was a lot of trade buzz with Juan Soto being on the market. I don't know what the Padres are going to do if they want to re-sign this guy or or what, but that would have been another option to look at and 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 really take a good assessment on again the Padres are a team right now that is definitely built on paper they're just not showing it on the field so I kind of can look at both directions but they just haven't really started they they have not put it together yet and that to me is still a concern I would have thought they would have had to start playing very good baseball after the all-star break it didn't happen Um, I think they lost a series at home to the Pirates and that kind of stuff just can't happen so again with the Padres I I don't know really what to make of them I would say that they somewhat kind of got better for for trying, but I don't know. And then Arizona, it's it's a toss up as well. I, I don't know if the young crew is is truly ready to carry this team, you know, into August into September. So both teams, I guess, just kind of for me, just kind of stayed put. They didn't really make a huge um, a huge poke at uh, at improvement. I think that's all fair analysis. I, I agree that you know the. Padres are in a spot where they took the opposite approach of the Mets, even though they're kind of in a similar spot where they were. I think they were like Travis, like a game or a, or a half a game apart at the day before the deadline in terms of like the wild card race, but they took completely opposite approaches. The Mets probably took the smarter approach, but the Padres are just super hungry. Um, so I think that that all makes sense uh, to inform. You know, I mean, I think most people expected the Padres to probably go for it, um, and they're doing so. So that should be. Um, fun, but I think Travis, the Diamondbacks is where you and I disagree a bit. I'm not like super. I'm not saying I'm super, super sold on them as being like some sort of like NL contender. I think they do have that in them, though. I mean, they're only currently 57 and 52. Yep. Um, third place in the NL West, um, but they're firmly in this wild card picture, wild card race that's going to be going down for the next couple months. Mm-hmm. I think that something that's not being talked about enough is. In my mind, Tommy Pham is a night and day huge upgrade over Lourdes Correal Jr. in terms of your right-handed bat in the outfield. Lourdes Correal Jr., Travis, he was an all-star, and people kind of know he had that one really big month. He made the all-star team, and that's kind of in the back of their mind, right? And they just kind of, oh, Lourdes Correal was good this year. Like, he he was an all-star. Yeah. Travis, he has not been good this year. He's having his worst OPS plus of his career at the moment. He is, uh, or sorry, his worst um, WRC plus. Um, he is currently hitting this season 252, 299 on base, which is quite low. And then the slugging is solid at a 458, but it makes for a 104 OPS plus. So he's pretty much like an average bat. Started really hot, trending in the wrong direction. Um I think what Tommy Pham is doing this season, Travis, has been super under the radar. I think it's been super good. Overall, um, 
I think that he has more power than I think people expect. I think he's really kind of tuned into the launch angle stuff because he's just been barreling the ball a ton. I think that he is going to be a bigger contributor to this team's offense than people think. I think he's had a really underrated, under the radar season. Um, there's not too many other ways I can say that, but his average exit velocity is 95th percentile. Um, his expected stats are all just great. He doesn't chase bad pitches. He walks a good amount. The power is a lot better than I think people kind of expect because they kind of look at the home run total and say, oh, you know, he's having a you know, 10 home run season. That's pretty good. I, I think it's better than, the, than some of the numbers might say. Um, the outfield jump looks pretty poor, but I think overall it's going to be worth it. You have Corbin Carroll out there eating everything else up um so i I think that you know they have lourdes guriel who's trending in the wrong direction and then looking at their other outfield options um they have guys like alec thomas who he's a true lefty right he's not a switch hitter Mm -hmm. and then jake mccarthy's a lefty as well i believe right so Mm -hmm. i think that Mm -hmm. adding this right-handed bat to the outfield of course corbin carroll being a lefty i think you're really addressing a need right alec thomas jake mccarthy both um well below average offensive seasons right now both in the 80s for ops plus lord is going in the wrong direction i think that kind of offensive decline from those guys is part of a reason why their kind of record has slid a bit i can see a guy like uh tommy fam being a big contributor and they also bolstered the bullpen a bit I don't know exactly what I think of Paul Seawald and Andrew Chafin. I think that they both can be contributors. Travis, the thing is like a bullpen move for like the next two months, like truly anything could happen. Like you could get a great reliever and they could just suck. Or you could get a really bad reliever and they could just be great. Um, But I think overall the process is good for the the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think that they um, are making good informed decisions. I, I like the deadline for them. I'm not sure it pushes them over the top, but I think if they do get to the wild card, they have um, the talent and uh, I'll say they added experience in Tommy Pham. Um, They had experience in their bullpen um, with those additions. So I I like where they would be at in the series against, you know, I mean, almost a dream scenario, Travis, if they could match up with the Brewers or something, like I'm picking the Diamondbacks in that series or maybe even against the Reds. I'm probably picking the Diamondbacks. Definitely, Um, definitely. So with that kind of in mind, Zach Gallen um, being you know, Cy Young contender right now. And even uh, Corbin Carroll being, you know, a top five MVP vote getter right now. I mean, definitely they have the the talent to, um, I think in my opinion, to, and, and, and very good uh, judgment on that one. So, I, I think they could take a, a three seed, you know. Surprising, um, surprising ranking on their baseball reference page as a team. Their team leader in baseball reference war is Cattell Marte. 4.4, a really underrated season. Corbin Carroll, of course, doing his thing. And then the other guys you mentioned, Christian Walker also being a quite a good hitter this year. So, so much to like um, with some of their core pieces and then just kind of the other guys um, needing to kind of round out, uh, figure out exactly what's going to go on. Like uh, Evan Longoria, Travis, someone who's been a good hitter for them despite his age, um, a good right-handed bat for certain situations, not an everyday player. Um, also, like we said, Tommy Pham, a kind of... Uh, I think he should probably play every day, but at the very least, a really good platoon bat. Uh, but yeah, Travis, let's keep it rolling here. Um, other teams that made moves, um, I want to make sure we kind of don't ramble on too long on some of these, but I think the Marlins are a team that deserves a quick mention. They went and got Jake Berger to bolster the infield and Josh Bell to give them a... He's a switch hitter. I, don't know, I always yeah. imagine him as a lefty. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that 
his splits historically have fluctuated. Um, but overall, do you think that those guys' offensive pieces move the needle for them? I do feel like they needed to address the offense a bit because outside of a rise, it was very inconsistent. Jorge Soler had been, I would say, a very quality bat, um, a completely different profile from uh, Arise. But outside of those two guys, lots of below average bats on the team, despite the record being pretty solid. So they addressed the weakness. Do you buy into that at all? Yeah, I mean, I again, they are a team that I think at the beginning of the year, no one really expected to be, you know, in this playoff hunt right now. So again, I, they, I think they're really truly overperforming and we are getting good um we are getting very good hitting so far this year by you know uh jorge soler obviously uh luisa rise has been fantastic this year um and then guys even that are uh i would say a, a bit of a surprise brian de la cruz and also uh jesus sanchez are guys that um i think no one really knew of uh this year and they they've definitely had themselves a a good start to their careers but I think right now it's safe to say that, you know, Marlins, of course, are battling for a wild card spot only. Uh, the division is pretty locked up. Atlanta with a 12 game uh, oh, yeah. lead. Um, and right now, Miami is in third place. So I, I I do like getting a guy like Jake Berger. I think Jake Berger so far, he I've had him on fantasy this year, Alex, and he's been actually, in my opinion, a, a very underrated player. I mean, I think the power as, is, is really showing off 25 home runs already from a guy that I think we all thought was just going to be a utility guy with a really fun name. Um, and the body does look the part for his name. So that, that, that's honestly, don't, what's, don't, what's really fun. Don't too. do him like that. I, I know. I know, honestly, but I, Jake, Jake Berger, uh, he, he's been a really fun player, uh, in my opinion this year and, and, and has really sparked his career so far. So again, I, I like that move, the Josh Bell move. I think with Josh Bell, you're, you're hoping you can get some sort of, uh, of a, of a burst kind of Josh Bell that we've seen in the past where, you know, he's had a first half or he's had a second half that is, that is very nice um, in, in terms of, of OPS and everything like that. So I think that they're just hoping that some of these guys would just still keep the, keep clicking and keep going on to finish this season. I mean, right now um, Miami is, you know, they're almost at 60 wins and, and they're right up there with Milwaukee right up there with Cincinnati, Arizona, um, and then, of course, they are uh, they're right on the Phillies heels, even though I think the Phillies are going to are going to definitely, you know, blow past them as the season progresses. The Phillies have been playing some good baseball, but I I like the moves. I think that they're not they're not moves that are going to just blow the prospect system and, and, and blow through your your entire farm system. So, again, I, I think that they're smart moves to hopefully make some sort of impact to get into the playoffs this year, because I think Miami does have a, a decent team so far this year i don't know what's happening with yuri perez i know they shut him down and put him i think back into the minors even though he was pitching very well so again i i think it's just the innings he was pitching they don't want to totally exhaust him this year but um at the same time i look at it and say you know hey when, when you have a good shot and he's pitching that well you might as well kind of go for it and uh and and make a strong push because he was that uh that, so far that true ace uh in the in the rotation especially when you got guys like Lazardo and Alcantara who you know Alcantara has not had a a very good year it's it's slowly in terms of ERA getting better it, it should he should possibly finish with an ERA under uh four at the end of the season but from what we saw last year this year it's been night and day AJ so um 
I, I think that the Marlins are a team that right now that is is just going to need to stay consistent and hopefully um, catch some breaks as the last couple months, you know, um, finish up. So I, again, I, I their team, I didn't really know what to make of it the first couple of months or the first couple of weeks, but um, they, they, they have at least been playing consistent baseball. And again, they're almost at 60 wins right now, which not a lot of teams are, are at. Yeah, they definitely made moves that kind of showed they want to stick where they're at in that wild card race. I do think they're going to be able to to have that ability to do so. Whether or not they get it done um, kind of depends on, like you said, there's guys like Sandy Alcantara, where what are you going to get from him down the stretch? More of the 2022 version or the 2023 version? Um, other good uh, arms uh, in the system right now. Jesus Lizardo has been pitching very well. Braxton Garrett is a fun uh, starting pitcher for them. Some fun names in the bullpen as well with good ERAs in Tanner Scott and Stephen O'Kurt. Um, AJ Puck, also someone they acquired from the A's uh, for JJ Bladé, and he has been um, not pitching great out of the pen, but I think there's still the upside there. Um, he's been getting uh, a lot of closing reps for them, games finished for them. So um, we'll kind of see how the pitching kind of fares uh, before the end of the season. But I do think that pretty much doing a swap of Berger for Segura is a big, big offensive upgrade and overall uh, plus uh, move. And then getting Bell to kind of fill in for some of the uh, probably DHing, playing some first base. I think it's overall going to be a, a plus for their offense. Um, just down the stretch, I think it's, it's a good move. And also, I think it helps the team's upside in a series. I could see a guy like a Bell or a Berger going for a, a monster kind of, you know, wild card series. It'd be a lot of fun if this team gets hot because they have a lot of fun names. Like, we saw how how electric Jorge Soler was in the playoffs for the Braves in 2022, 2021. Um, so I think that, you know, it'd be fun for this team to kind of, uh, catch fire but like you said there's still questions to be asked of what some of these young guys can do um travis looking at other teams that made moves um some teams maybe more convincing moves than others like toronto added genesis cabrera jordan hicks and paul de young um they just wanted every cardinals player that they could get their hands <laughs> yeah. on yep. none of those moves seems uh like a huge deal de young is going to add some depth because uh, Bichette is injured. I don't know if they've determined if it's going to be an IL stint or not, but he does have a knee uh, issue. So DeYoung's going to get reps there, I'm sure. Bolstering up the pen a bit with a couple good arms. I do think, Travis, having a good bullpen is absolutely key in the playoffs. Uh, probably underrated how important it is. Part of that just about getting hot as well. So that's kind of the flukiness of, of a baseball playoff series if it's if it's you know, a best of three or best of five. But I think uh, having Hicks... Cabrera, um, Romano in the same bullpen, uh, amongst other guys. Uh, it's definitely a really, um, it's a strength now. I say it's a strength yeah. that they've they've kind of developed over the last couple seasons um, in the offseason and stuff like that. Um, in the offense, we already know it's going to do its thing. So I think the Blue Jays, I wouldn't say they really move their needle forward um, to really increase their like championship odds, but they're playing in a, they're playing well enough and they've kind of addressed the bullpen and uh, some infield depth in a way that I think is going to be a plus. But looking at their at their bullpen, Travis Romano has been really good this season. Um, looking at other guys, Trevor Richards a two nine eight ERA, Eric Swanson a three four four ERA, Tim Miza underrated. Travis, no one's really talked about him, but in thirty seven innings a one point two two ERA, and then adding the guys I mentioned from the, from the Cardinals, some guys who can throw heat. 
uh, overall should be somewhat impactful, I'd say. But um, anything to add on them, or maybe we should keep it rolling? Yeah, they they're a team that I feel like it, they're they're kind of good on all fronts. Um, offense is great uh, when everyone's healthy. Uh, pitching staff is is kind of getting into its groove. Um, Barrios, Gosman, and uh, Kikuchi are are pitching pretty nicely this year. And uh, again, the bullpen as well. I don't know how long uh, Romano will be on the in the on the IL. Um, he suffered uh, this past weekend, but um, so far, again, everyone's kind of uh, doing their job so far, and 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 getting these small pieces, I think, are 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 going to be nice holes to fill. So again, maybe in October they'll they'll wish they've gotten somewhere, or they would have they wish they've gotten uh, an extra piece, uh, you know, in the bullpen or another starting pitcher. But I think right now, so far. They uh, they have to be pretty comfortable where they're at. I wanted to ask you: Do you think that the Blue Jays at all? I mean, they're they're kind of in a funny position right now. They're they're six and a half back of Baltimore um, of the division, so they're they're sitting pretty comfortably in third place. I mean, right now the Rays are what five games up on them, and the Red Sox are almost about three games behind them. So they're pretty much just deadlocked at third place right now what do, do you see toronto making any sort of sneaky move to a a second uh a second place finish in the east or even a a division uh winning run over the next two months yeah i'd be surprised personally i think that the race there's a chance they continue to skid um if the blue just kind of stand pat I think there's a chance that the rays continue because i mean the rays travis they started so hot we talked about this stat recently but um there yeah, was a since since their 30 and 9 uh start they've been under 500 yeah and so with that in mind like if that 500 pace kind of continues for the last couple months like they will get caught by some of these teams yeah, yeah. um in the wild card race but i i don't see the the jays uh, overtaking the division of course can't rule it out because they do have lots of talent i think that baltimore um is just playing really well and the jays as good as they are i don't think they're like this sort of top tier juggernaut that's just going to like, you know, demolish every team in their path. I think they're going to, you know, have their own, you know, potential shortcomings and things. So we'll see how that shapes up. Um, speaking of Baltimore, they did make a move. We'll talk about the other two. Um, well, actually, I think every every team in uh, the AL East made some sort of move. It's just funny how none- the, the, the Yankees are a joke. You have five teams and they all were quote unquote buyers in the division, which is kind of funny, but yeah. <laughs> I would say some pretty low impact moves. So we'll just, it's, it, it's a buying by getting another, another, uh, get, getting or making an addition by also making, I think a subtraction overall. I mean, it, it's purchasing a negative. I you would don't say. yeah. Purchasing a negative. I mean, I don't think Keenan Milton's going to be awful, but I just think that that's the move you do when and, and it's like, you it's still just, are above 500. It's so clear that like, you can view it two ways. You're above 500. You have a chance to make the wild card. You have Aaron Judge in your team. You have Garrett Cole. They're still in their primes. They won't be in their primes forever. It's not a bad time to go for it. You could also say, hey, we're, we were like fifth in the division at, at, at a time. I'm not sure if they are at this very second. They but, still are, yep. But we're fifth in the, in the division. Let's just punt on this year. We're not going to overtake um, everybody. Let's just punt on this year and really just gear up for next year. Any guys who are expiring... Let's trade them off. Guys like Bader, I think, are expiring. Some of their bullpen arms. Um, they just decided to do neither. They, they didn't. They, <laughs> yeah. they, they didn't really go all in for this year. They didn't go all in for next year. They didn't add prospects. They didn't trade prospects. They just acquired Keenan Middleton and I think another player that I I didn't even write his name down, Travis, because yep. it was so <laughs> inconsequential. 
um, to the rest of their season. But I really don't get the indecision. I think that um, I'm blanking on the uh, GM. Cashman? Cashman, yep. Cashman said something to the effect of like, we think we're in a good spot and we just want to kind of keep course. I'm like, dude, if you keep course, you're going to stay in fifth. You're going to have a, a winning record, but be fifth place. So um, we'll New, see New, how New York, New York GMs are not, uh, are not pretty popular these days. Not, not at the moment. No, I'm, I will say at least Epler picked a direction like Epler and well, of course Cohen he, is calling a lot of the shots he, there. He, he picked a direction, but will Epler be there in 25 or 26? You know, that, that I think that's another thing you got to say as well. And then that will all come down to Cohen being yeah. the owner, wanting to win. Um, obviously, Cohen signed off on the sell moves. Like, there's no way they sell Verlander and Scherzer without Cohen's approval. Cohen must be saying, you know what, this is not our year. It's clearly not our year. Let's not try to make something out of nothing. Let's just go ahead and focus on the coming seasons. So at least I have respect for not staying in no man's land, which is, I feel like what the Yankees did. Yep. Yankees have the talent on paper to still make the playoffs. Like I'm not going to rule them out, but it would be an uphill battle. I'd say looking at other teams in the division, just to keep our momentum here. The Orioles went out there. I wanted them to add more starting pitching than they actually did. I think they should have tried to give her give, especially because yeah. they have the prospects to do so. Yes. They could still have a great prospect uh, assist. Still, they, they still could probably keep their top three prospects right now. I mean, yeah. they could. I mean, they have a they have a top like five farm or something like that. Yeah. Like they could yeah. still have a top ten farm. I think they have by, six guys in the top one hundred right now. And yeah, they could they could trade you know two of them for like two aces and then be like, you know, now we're actually like world series contenders. We can really view ourselves in a different category, but all they did was add Jack Flaherty. First off, Travis, I'm low on what Flaherty's done this season so far. He has not been uh, impressive in many ways. The flip side of that is Travis. He started this today and he hit a 97 miles an hour. He hit 97 on the radar gun. He hadn't done that all season with the Cardinals. I don't know what the Cardinals were doing with him. I don't know why he was able to ramp up the velo now all of a sudden with Baltimore. It's not like Baltimore has some sort of starting pitching cheating lab because all their pitchers this year, most of them have not been very good. Yeah, at least um, starting pitching. Yeah, uh, yeah, starting pitching is what I'm talking about. Um, so addressing their rotation was a need, and they did so. I'm not sure I am all sold on the talent they brought in, but Flaherty already um, hit a velo number that is – more looking like older Flaherty rather than um, the recent Flaherty. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see if it plays an impact. Another starting pitcher addition in the division was um, the Rays going out and getting, blanking on the name, they got acquired um, 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 Savali from uh, from the Guardians from Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. They sent out Kyle Manzardo, who was one of their top prospects. He was someone who was mashing the ball in the minors. I think. Last year, he was one of the best offensive players in the minors. This year, kind of took a step back. And the Rays, Travis, if they're cutting bait on a prospect, I kind of say... It's scary. <laughs> I kind of say, you know, maybe this guy's not going to shape up. So That's why when they were talking about Otani going to the Rays, I said, you know what? I, I'm good because they're going to send us guys that will either... Somehow fail, yeah. Yeah, that are going to be... They're going to tear their ACL or, or need Tommy John in like the next month. And then we're just going to be looking at like great like we just got played by the rays again or yeah um but then looking at savali i think that he had some of the best stuff plus numbers on his uh, curveball i think the rays travis they're just like like the dodgers like if they're targeting a guy i know they see they see something it works so far with eflin um he's been good i think that you know a savali eflin glass now mcclanahan if he's healthy he's back on the il um that's that's a fun 
four for a series it's very raised it's not like a flashy four yeah but for a series that i think that's a four that gets the job done for them um it's going to come down to if they can kind of get out of this funk that they've been in for the last month plus but overall um i like that move um other minor moves in the fringes travis anyone you want to talk about i mean i have lorenton to the phillies he pitched pretty good today yeah. i don't think you ever think that moves the needle in a big way all their best starting pitchers are already on the team. Yeah, I mean, I think we did a pretty good job covering at least all 30 teams. But, I mean, at least from the last couple of minutes of, of our discussion, I mean, from what we saw, I think right now, it's, it's, it's kind of almost safe to say that Houston might have made the biggest jump of the American so? League so far. Just getting Verlander, that is a huge fish to, uh, to add to your team. And already a team that's very good. I mean... Houston is prepared for the playoffs. They know what to expect when it comes to the playoffs. I think right now, Alex, I'm I'm really honestly tr- truly not as an Angels fan, at least I'll say, I, I think the Astros are the one team you'd be scared of playing in a playoff series, but I just feel like so many of these teams are there there's just not a dominant team, I think, right now in the American League. There's a dominant team right now in, in the National League, and that's Atlanta. But I think looking at the American League. Yeah, I think Baltimore could have done a little more, and I think um, Tampa will always be sneaky. They they I, they will they will always be a team to really consider as as a threat. We have not seen that in the last couple postseasons, so that's what um, that's where I look at um, that aspect of things. And also, right now, Alex, with them kind of trending in a under five hundred um, fashion over the last you know two months, that's something to also consider. And then Toronto again, they just for some reason fumble the bag in uh in in big games i feel like uh so i i truly am not um not too impressed right now with the american league but i will say i think houston did move the needle the the, the best i think that's why that a lot of teams do give them and a lot of sports book sports books give them the best odds to win the american league as of right now because uh not too many teams made some huge huge moves you would have liked to have saw verlander go to baltimore um, or Verlander go to, let's just say the Tampa Bay Rays or something like that, where you can say, wow, they got a huge and a, a very good pitcher. And now um, they they can have a, I think, a team that can really click. So that's kind of how I perceive the American League, at least right now. I just think Astros are, again, it's another year. I think the Astros are are right now looking like a favorite to, to, to really push and have a huge and deep uh, October for me, at least right now. That makes sense to me as well. Um, they're probably my AL favorite at the moment, just given their pedigree, given the talent. Um, when assuming everyone's healthy, they're going to have some of the best pitching and some of the best hitting, uh, and good arms in the bullpen as well. So th- they kind of have um, no real huge glaring weaknesses, which is it's big because Baltimore. I feel like there's a glaring weakness in their rotation. The Rays have a glaring weakness in the fact that they've been 500 for two months or whatever it is. And then I think Texas kind of has to kind of prove it still a little bit. Very I mean, true. They have had a really good first half, but I think we need to kind of see them do it for the full year, do it for a playoff series, and, something like and, that. And also Toronto. I mean, I think Toronto, you can look at both ways. I think you could say, man, if they go on a hot streak, that offense with that starting pitching, that could easily carry them for two weeks in October or what we saw last year in the wildcard series, you know, getting swept by Seattle and not even showing up, you know, in, in some of those big games. So I I really don't I don't look at a team right now in the American League other than Houston, because, of course, like you mentioned, the pedigree, they've been there. They know what to expect. But out of everyone else, I don't look at a team that really is uh, 
asserting themselves in a dominant fashion or at least made the moves to say, hey, we truly want to be uh, a, a, a easy lock for the World Series and, and, and win this American League pennant this year. So that's again, that's kind of what I wanted to bring up and just say is that I, I did not see a lot of moves by the American League that said, wow, like you really are trying. So um, obviously, as an Angels fan, I, I, I think that we made some very good moves. I think when you look at like a top five winners of the deadline you have to include the angels just from the aggressive standpoint and saying we're keeping shohei we're adding on we got guys like giolito we're getting more depth even though we're just faced with some of these most unexpected injuries of all time it truly is amazing alex i mean the handmate and urshela um urshela out for season you, you can't breaking even, his yeah. pelvis running to first you, base you, you, some of this stuff you can't really make up taylor as ward to, mean in the face exactly and, and that was a question i had over the last couple of weeks is you know we have guys that are pulling muscles here and there and and you hear the word you know labrum uh being brought up a lot or i don't even know if there's another another muscle o o oblique, oblique is something that ne neto suffered with and i think adele now and, and and lower back tightness or different things like that i mean even though i mean even rendon fouling a ball off his knee and there's internal bleeding like just kind of that stupid stuff there are injuries that i do wonder you know what are we doing pre-game to you know get our bodies prepared and and why are we still facing a lot of these injuries there are a lot of injuries though that i do say I don't know what we did. Why does God hate to, us? Yeah, the baseball gods, because we are getting beaned in the face. We're breaking handmade bones. We're breaking our pelvis, running to first base. I mean, things that it's like once in a million kind of stuff like this is truly happening right now. So that's my kind of spiel with it right there. But I mean, as an Angels fan, I do feel very comfortable if we do play very good baseball and get into the playoffs. I do not. I really don't fear that many teams right now, and, and and that's a good thing. I mean, obviously, the World Series will be a different animal, but I mean, uh, the, again, Atlanta will have to prove it as well and try to get to the get back to uh, get back to October and get back quick, to a deep uh, playoff run. Quick, but, quick, quick question to go off what you were saying. I wrote it down here. Um, don't want to spend a lot of time on it, so give me ten second response. Okay, ready? Easy. Has Perry Manassian, GM of the Angels, earned a contract extension? I would say yes, but I think realistically, not not what you think will happen, what you think should happen, in your opinion. I think absolutely, yeah. I think he's been super aggressive this year, and and what he he wants to win so badly, and he's and, and honestly, Alex, I mean, we we're, we're already seeing it. Ohapi, Moniak, these guys were traded last year. They were coming to us. We did not expect anything of them. They've turned into um, not superstars, but they've turned into all-star caliber type players right now. And, and that's, I have, I have not seen that from a GM in, in a very long time. So that's what I'll say. Uh, we pretty much agree. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, other teams that made moves, Travis, we're not going to elaborate on these teams just to kind of rattle them off. Uh, Giants added Pollock and Matthias, like a team like the Giants, who is currently in the playoffs. If the season ended today, I'm kind of surprised they didn't add more. That was one team I thought too, that, they are at 60 wins right now. Again, like I mentioned, not a lot of teams at 60 wins and they just, it just felt like they're kind of like cool with their staff and they're cool with their, their team. And they're just going to roll with that. Even though, I mean, who do they add? I'm sorry. They Pollock, Pollock and uh, any, any Matthias. Okay. I don't even know. Okay. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, and it's funny how sometimes the smart teams, Travis, they just know they're really disciplined, which the angels have not been disciplined, but we're happy they're not because they're really focusing on winning now where the Giants and also a team like the Red Sox, like the Red Sox added Luis Urias from Milwaukee infielder. It's like 
that move is not changing much at all, right? Like, it's just very weird how, like, this whole deadline, you get linked to all these different, like, guys. Like, who are we going to get? And it's like, oh, we got, like, a guy who's, like, most likely than not 90% chance will not make a difference. And it's just kind of like, yeah. it's just kind of, uh, it's kind of a byproduct of the way these teams view their players. Um, last thing we didn't mention, the Cubs got hot, decided not to sell Bellinger and, Smart move. and uh, Stroman. Stroman's now hurt, but I think he'll be back <laughs> in short order, yeah. um, hopefully for them. But they went out and were able to trade for uh, Jamer Candelario. And that corresponding move was DFAing uh, Trey Mancini, which mm-hmm. is kind of a interesting turn of events there. Um, Candelario already hot uh, with the team. Great start to his uh, time as a Cub, or returning as a Cub, actually. But I think that looking at the addition, it doesn't feel like a big needle mover. Yeah. Um, they have a chance, Travis, just because the division is so weak in my mind. And there's also a chance they could sneak into potentially a, a last wild card spot. I don't love the fact that they're going um, aggressive for this year. But I'll say just going for Candelario is not uh, too bad of a decision, but I still feel like they probably could have gotten a nice little return for Bellinger, but I think that they have big plans, Travis. Uh, every uh, Everyone wants Otani, obviously, but they're one team who has been vocal about wanting to try to make a bid for him this offseason, and they know they're not going to do that unless they get aggressive early mm-hmm. and show some signs of winning because Otani's not going to come to your team if you have a back-to-back losing seasons before he arrives. Yes, so yep. um, that pretty much rounds out all the guys I wanted to discuss Travis, um, the Yankees also had this issue with uh, Anthony Rizzo. Travis, um, it just came out today that he has concussion-like symptoms from an injury that happened on what day was this? May like twenty something, May 29th or something like that. When he like tried to pick off, they tried to pick off Tatis, and he like bumped his head on Tatis's knee or something. Anyways, Travis. Rizzo was mashing in the first 53, 53 games of the season. He had 11 home runs, 304 average, 376 on base, 505 slugging. The 46 games since this incident, he's had one home run, a 172 average, a 271 on base, a 225 slugging. He has probably been the worst player in baseball from that injury to now. And it wasn't even addressed, Travis, until... A month and a half, two months after the injury occurred. I've never seen something like that before in baseball where someone gets diagnosed with a concussion two months after it actually happened. But um, an interesting note, Travis, I guess he was like having trouble sleeping a little bit. He'd wake up feeling like he was kind of hungover. Like, what, like, what is this? Like what, like, what world do we live in where a pro athlete is pretty much battling a concussion, like lingering concussion symptoms, and does not go addressed for two months he's trying to play through it meanwhile putting up you know the worst baseball of his career so um that was a fun little story for it's yankee like the, fans it's kind of like the uh yeah, tagavaloa uh you know story of last season in the nfl i you think that 2023 medical staffs and uh science would be a little bit more on top of things and yeah it, it would be very very unfortunate if he had been battling just a undiagnosed concussion for two months and that's really just caused him to just really be off on his vision off on a lot of things that would be i i would definitely be uh very curious to to see what's yeah what's going on that in that yankee uh, medical staff if that's truly what's going on but yeah because it's a very uncharacteristic slump that we've seen from him and 
And, uh, and who knows? I mean, yeah, I, I, it's just, it's unfortunate and maybe we'll never know, but yeah, with, with those rumors coming out, it's, it, it is very weird that we are, again, we're this far in and, you know, we're in 2023 and we're still having to deal with, you know, uh, um, you know, concussions that haven't been diagnosed. Like, I wonder if a player's ever been added to the IL two months after the injury took place. It's really crazy, but he's yeah. going to the IL yeah. now. So it's yeah. just, it just really... Yeah uh funky uh hoping the best for him that you know obviously anything with the brain travis it's tricky it scares me yeah. to even think about yeah. you know um especially so, when you got, like, instance like taylor ward you know 90 something mile an hour fastball coming at your eyes and face and you know i think he's had some facial fractures and some some stuff to do with then, there on, but yeah. on top of that a guy like rizzo who's probably struggling with his mental sharpness, you don't. Why, why is he in the batter's box? Like <laughs> yeah, trying exactly. to time these pitches. Yeah. If one comes you know, for his head, maybe maybe now that's why we know why he was laughing when he was when he was losing to the Angels in that third game. And there we saw a picture he, of Rizzo he thought smiling. They were, they were winning. I, I, he probably thought they were winning. Yeah, <laughs> the guy isn't all there right now. But yeah, hoping the best yeah. for him, Travis. Also, Liam Hendricks announced Tommy John. Um, he's yeah, going to be sidelined yeah. for the rest of the season. Probably I think, all I think of next twenty twenty five. He's looking to come back. Which again, I mean. The, the comeback story that he had was unbelievable with um with, with with he was battling earlier in the year with cancer and and now you know Tommy John that's unfortunate so I think uh and I don't know where when his contract will end with the White Sox but yeah it's it's a it's a tough thing to deal with for Liam Hendricks but uh, hopefully he can come back in 2025 and still be uh, valuable and productive but yeah Charles that pretty much sums up everything we wanted to make sure we touched on. I think pretty much every team that didn't make a move that should have, hopefully we made fun of them enough. And the teams that got aggressive, you know, we like to celebrate that, but we'll be able to assess a bit better, you know, after the season ends and say, you know, this team sold or bought and maybe they should have or shouldn't have. But, you know, we'll see how these moves affect the rest of the season. You know, I'm excited to see if the moves put the Angels over the top, if a team like Boston or the Yankees, maybe they end up a game out of the wild card and they say, why didn't we become buyers? We could have really gotten over the hump. You know, I'm excited to see how some of those things shape up. So that's all I have uh, this week, Travis. We can go ahead and watch the rest of Otani's start now. Um, and you can watch the rest of the Pro Bowl. 16-14 Jets start of the fourth. Who do you got right now? Sneaky uh, run by the Browns? I don't think so. Okay, all right. I'll stick with the Jets. But uh, Travis Otani, I looked. I was looking at the box score a bit when we were recording. He let the leadoff guy get a single. Then there was a fielder's choice error for first and third, no outs, and then he got the next three guys out. That's a classic Otani starts the game. Then he got a one out single followed by a CJ Crone double play. So the first inning went about according to plan as we would probably predict, and ever since then it's still zero zero. So let's go catch the action, Travis. Um, if you guys made it this far, we appreciate your support so much, like always. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>